Christians claim to have a savior that was conceived out of wedlock and killed on a Roman cross. Christians follow teaching like, if you want to be great, be a servant, and don't be first, but be last. And Christians believe that heaven's not for good people or even religious people. And there are people in the world that consider all of these things to be absolute nonsense. And I wonder, have you ever been tempted to be ashamed of Christ or the gospel or of being a Christian? The Apostle Paul encourages Timothy to be bold and not be ashamed. And today we're answering your questions about 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12 in this episode of the Ask Scott podcast. Hi, friends. That is Pastor Scott, senior pastor <laughs> of East White Oak Bible Church. And my name is Craig Whitaker, and this is the Ask Scott podcast. You ready to go, Scott? I am. We have some great questions today. Great questions today. We start off with question number one. Yep. What's the difference or what's the relationship between boldness and humility? Yeah, this is a really important question. And it relates, I think, to something Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 6, 33, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And I think that when I've looked at my own either sins or times where I've done right on this boldness versus humility, it has everything to do with whose kingdom I'm trying to build. Mm. If I can be bold even imagining it to be for Christ, but if I'm trying to impress people, mm -hmm. that's not that's that's a prideful thing. It's not boldness. Mm -hmm. It's more pride. Mm -hmm. If on the other hand, I shrink back and don't speak up because I don't want to be embarrassed, mm -hmm. or there's something about it that I think people will think bad of me, that's not humility. That's a lack of boldness. Mm -hmm. So really, the question that I ask myself is. Uh, and I try to keep asking this all the time, is who's, whose kingdom am I building? Mm -hmm. Because when I find that I'm really on track in terms of thinking about Christ and his kingdom, I can be bold at the times that it's time to be bold, and mm -hmm. I can be humble at the times where I'm needing to be more humble and not assertive. Mm -hmm. I think that the issue of assertiveness is not the same as boldness. We can be assertive and not be bold. We're just trying to impress people. Or we can be assertive and not be humble <laughs> because we're just trying to make people like us. Yeah. Should we expect our boldness to be offensive to people? Now, I don't, I think that there are times where our boldness will be offensive to people, but only in as much as is it right if it is about the message that we are bearing. Mm. Um, let it be the gospel that offends rather than the manner in which we carry it. Mm -hmm. You know, so that leads to a couple other questions that people ask is, uh, what are some practical applications of being bold and letting the gospel be offensive to others as opposed to ourselves being offensive in our flesh? Mm -hmm. you know, so, for example, there are all manner of things that are coming up in our culture that we have to wrestle with. Uh, things like, do you go to a relative's wedding where they are involved in, it's a same-sex marriage, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, those kinds of uh, difficult questions. Yeah. 
And it seems to me that um, there's a way to do that that would be let the offense be about Christ, the gospel, the truth of the scriptures. And there's a way to go about it that would be just mean-spirited mm -hmm. and judgmental. And so we should always have our speech um, be full of grace, seasoned with salt, mm -hmm. to be able to answer everyone. That's how Paul describes it in Colossians. You know, there are some people who may face some very real consequences, like even in employment. Yes. If they're going to be bold for Jesus or bold for the gospel in their workplace, yep. um, they are under the threat of losing their job. Maybe. That's right. So is there a time for boldness to be measured? Yeah. Yeah. I think that there is a time uh, for us to think about how Daniel lived in Babylon mm -hmm. and to think about what that means to live among the Babylonians. But I don't think that that ever means a compromise of our principles. And I do believe that there may, may well come times, if they're not already here, where some jobs, you cannot maintain that job and believe what you believe. Mm -hmm. They even ask you about your thoughts. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Well, you should not, we should never deny our thoughts. So what does that mean for the church at large? Well, it means that as Christians, we should be generous and kind. And when people you know, lose their jobs, it should cause perhaps a rethinking when that starts to happen mm -hmm. of how we care for one another. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, for most of my life, it was kind of like, well, you lost your job, go get another one, you know, and we can help you in the middle in the meantime. But there's may well be uh, times ahead where we'll have to rethink exactly what it means to be living in community. You know, I resonated with one of the questions that we got about, it's easier for me to be bold for Christ or the gospel uh, when I'm amongst strangers or I'm on a missions trip, right? But when I'm with family and friends and neighbors, yeah. uh, that's when I find that I tend to be less bold. What, that's right. And this, the question asks, what's wrong with me? Yeah, there isn't anything wrong with you. <laughs> this is, in fact, how it is for us. Um, the whole point of missions trips is to be able to get you in a context where it's easier to share your faith, maybe more difficult in terms of some life perspectives, but easier to share your faith so that when you come back, you're more bold yeah. to do so. Uh, there was a ministry several years ago called Sun Life that measured the con connections that you have with people as to how difficult it is to share your faith. Mm. And going on a missions trip was ranked way easier than sharing Christ with your family, your relatives, your yeah. friends, your neighbors. Yeah. 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 So you're, you're normal. You're normal. <laughs> and it means that we should pray that we would be bold and ask others to pray for us. You know, Paul says uh, a couple of times in, in Ephesians and Colossians that he's asking the church to pray for him, that he may be able to boldly proclaim mm -hmm. uh, the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we talked a lot about being ashamed on Sunday during the message. Yeah. Uh, and there's a couple of points in the Gospels where Jesus yeah. talks about being ashamed. Yeah. Uh, and the context is if we're ashamed of Jesus, then he's going to be ashamed of us. Now, what in the world is going on there? What's he mean? Have you ever heard of something called the hard sayings of Jesus? <laughs> this is one of those. So uh, Jesus says once in uh, Mark chapter 8 and then another uh, passage is in Luke chapter 9, 
where basically he's saying, uh, you want to save your life, you lose it. Uh, you lose your life for my sake, you'll save it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What can you give in exchange for your soul? And then he says this, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. That's a stunning thought, isn't it? Yeah. And I think what Jesus is getting to at the core is the measurement of the genuineness of our faith. Mm. You see, only the, genu the people who have genuine faith in Jesus are saved. Mm. The person who does not have genuine faith in Jesus, a pretend faith, they, they, they should have no ground of assurance. Mm. But then the question is, how do I know that my faith is genuine? Well, John wrote the entire epistle of 1 John to help us with that. So I'd encourage you to look at 1 John to be able to test that out. Because there are occasions where someone may have weak faith. It's genuine, but weak. They will be saved. Mm -hmm. you know? But then there's others where they just say, no, you know. Let me give an example of weak faith. Peter denied the Lord three times. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that according to Mark chapter 8, he wasn't saved? I don't think so. But Judas betrayed the Lord, right? That was a denial of faith. And the, I think that was a, a test mm -hmm. there of the lack of the genuineness of his faith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, One of the things that you said on Sunday during the sermon was uh, that we ought to... Uh, Embrace, embrace the suffering, I yeah. think was the phrase that you mm -hmm. said. Was that mm -hmm. right? Embrace, I think so. Embrace the suffering. Yeah. And that sounds a little bit like you're telling us to, um, you know, head out to the desert and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, live with nothing. Uh, right. Crawl on your knees up to yes. the uh, altar, you know, right. that sort of ascetic sort of life. Mm -hmm. Is that what you were calling us to? Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> um, but... Christian history is filled with this kind of debate over exactly what does it mean to embrace suffering. Mm. And it seems to me that embracing suffering is to embrace Jesus and his words, like Jesus talked about there in Mark chapter 8. If we fail to embrace Jesus and his words, then we are um, not, not, not in the path mm. of, of embracing suffering, because to know Christ... I think will involve some suffering at some point. Now, we have to recognize that when we, where we get off track is thinking that somehow that suffering is in itself good. Mm. That the, the suffering is somehow um, helping us be close to God. That was the problem of the early monks. They thought, hey, if I go off in a cave, then I'll be free from temptation. I'll be closer to God. And what they realized, uh, many of them, was that they took their sin with them because the flesh is still there. Mm -hmm. Now, the challenge, of course, is for us to embrace suffering and the willingness to it without thinking that somehow that makes me got more points with God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, now, there are Christians that suffer around the world. Mm. Uh, our suffering is hardly anything to be compared with mm -hmm. our brothers and sisters around the world who are right. suffering for the cause of Christ and the right. gospel. How do we share in their suffering? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. And the author of Hebrews addresses it directly. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, uh, beginning at verse 1, let brotherly love continue. 
Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, uh, I think, as though you yourself are being mistreated, mm-hmm. right? Since you also are in the body. Since we are in the church universal, when brothers and sisters suffer, we should suffer with them. Mm-hmm. We should be connected to them. And I think it means prayer. I think it means where there's financial needs, we seek to financially help, Mm -hmm. where there's ways we can alleviate that suffering, perhaps sometimes through uh, political means, like writing to our congressmen, things like that, or just simply by identifying ways in which they've suffered through like an earthquake or something like that, bringing relief. There's a hundred ways to do that. If you're particularly interested in the persecuted church, there's plenty of ministries out there. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs is one of them. Uh, Persecution USA, I think, is another one that can help you know how you can help your brothers and sisters who are suffering elsewhere in the world. One other thing I'll just add, we have a pastor in Myanmar who watches all the stuff that we do. And so, Mangpu, if you're watching, hello. But we just want you to know that there's some significant suffering going on, going on among believers in Myanmar. So one practical way that you can uh, suffer with them right now is to just take a moment right now to pray for Myanmar, for Mangpu, the ministry that's there, mm. and for all believers in Myanmar. Mm. Thanks, everyone, for your questions. And thank you, Scott, for the answers today. That'll do it for this episode of the Ask Scott podcast. We hope that you will be bold for Christ and the gospel. 